Welcome, friends, to Crazy Women Country, where women's voices matter. We bring you the greatest female voices in the music industry, from the artists, songwriters, and producers, to managers and executives, and all the women who make the music industry what it is today. Thank you for joining us. friends and welcome to another episode of Crazy Women Country. Tonight we are here with Miss Victoria Banks, singer-songwriter. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, wonderful. I'm so happy that you're here. Me too. Me too. We've been looking forward to this for a while. So it's great that the day is finally here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we always start off with the, the, one of the hardest questions ever. Who is Victoria Banks? Oh, you mean I'm supposed to know the answer to that already? Yeah, yeah I was hoping. <laughs> I know that you're a Canadian singer-songwriter. I know that. I know that you've toured with Reba. You know, I, yeah, I know, and Terry Clark, and you've know, written songs for her, and, you know, Sarah Evans. I know all this, but you might want to tell everyone else. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I'm originally from Canada, but Nashville has been home for a long time, and I've been a, a staff songwriter for publishers on Music Row in Nashville for many years. So I've written songs for um, Sarah Evans, uh, Terry Clark, um, Carly Pierce, Cassidy Pope, people like that. Uh, I've written a ton of songs uh, with Mickey Guyton. So sh- she's having quite uh, a successful past year or so. So that's very exciting to see that happen for her and to be a little part of that. So I've um, spent most of my career writing songs for other people, but I've also got another side to what I do, which is making my own records. And that kind of came out of the necessity of, you know, nobody else was recording the ones that meant the most to me and I wanted to get them out in the world. So I started making my own records and uh, have now released four records and uh, my most recent one I I built all the tracks recorded all the instruments myself so it was very much a homemade project but through that artist side of my career I've had the chance to do some really incredible opening act touring so I've opened for Reba McIntyre, Randy Travis, Lone Star, Winona Judd and had a chance to take home some awards from the Canadian Country Music Association. So I won Female Artist of the Year and Songwriter of the Year in 2010 from then, from them. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a two-sided thing, the, the artist and the songwriter. And I'm also now a teacher because I teach songwriting at Belmont University on Music Row in Nashville. Wonderful. So I think we had a couple of your students, well, at least one that I know that I think you have, Miss Macy Dot. She was on yes. one of our shows. So yeah, yes. it's always cool to see that. Love watching yeah. the young artists grow. Yeah, it's really fun. I I love teaching and I didn't know, it was something that I sort of was given the opportunity to do and I didn't know quite how I felt about it. Um, I thought it would be fun, but I had no idea how much I would love it. And now that I'm doing it, this is my first year teaching at Belmont. So um, I just really love having the chance to pay forward some of the things that I've learned the hard way and hopefully saving people some time and, and some pain in, in the music business, um, in finding their way as, as songwriters, you know, and yeah. it feels like a little bit like I get to steer, steer the ship in a better direction with, um, the information that, you know, whatever you pay for it, it helps to, to mold what the future of the music business is going to be in a lot of ways. So that, that excites me. 
And as a woman who occasionally writes songs, I look up to that because I love when people give back. I think that is so, I mean, that's something I try to do myself and in, in what I do normally, but it's just, there's nothing better than having someone that's kind of like that mentor or that person that, that helps you. And you just always remember that your whole life that that person helped me. And then when you help someone else, you're like, it's just that it's like that full circle feeling sometimes too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's an industry um, in, in, in music or anything creative the industries are very competitive out there and I love to sort of help to promote a sense of um, more collaboration than competition. So when something good happens for you, you bring up the rest of your team with you and, and you reach out and help the next one in line, like the great Laurie McKenna says in the Tim McGraw song, Humble and Kind. So uh, yeah, it's very important to, to think of things in that way in terms of what can I give and how can I use these good things that are happening to me in a way that's positive for others too, instead of you know feeling like you're competing for a few slots. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. So let me ask, with your songwriting now, do you prefer songwriting over singing? Or, or now, obviously, as you've evolved into the artist, you know, you know which, which was always your favorite? Do you think songwriting has always been where my heart is for me? I started off just wanting to be a songwriter for other people. I could, I had no greater aspiration than to be the small print under somebody else's name on the back of a record, you know, and uh, back when you could buy records like that <laughs> and, and, and CDs and <laughs> yeah, CDs, exactly. Now it's like, well, uh, I can sell you a CD or you can use it for a coaster, whatever works. But, you know, everything is streaming now and, and now they're making it better so that you can actually see the credits on things. But that was always, that was my aspiration was I wanted to be a songwriter for other people. I just love the craft and I love how songwriting affects people. And I wanted to learn how that works. I, so one of the things, the first things that I did when I moved to Nashville was I started going to the Bluebird Cafe back when you could get in there all the time and it wasn't a big lineup. And I would go in there and I'd sit in the cheap seats and I would watch my heroes, songwriters, perform the songs that they'd written that I loved so much. And I would just kind of, I'd listen to the stories they told about where the songs came from and I would soak them up and, and try to take apart in my mind why is it affecting me this way? Why does that line make me want to cry? You know, why does this put a lump in my throat? Why does this raise the hair on the back of my neck? What are they doing? And and so I sort of tried to take it apart that way and, and teach myself those things. And that was, the, so the craft of songwriting to me, especially being in Nashville in the Mecca, in the middle of it all, uh, there's there's no more noble cause in, in music, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then the singing kind of came as a, as a second choice, really. It was kind of, well, I sort of, I was offered that door to walk through. So I walked through it, you know, I made, made a, made a CD of my own materials because no one else was recording them. And then a record label was like, Hey, we really like this. Would you like to be and have a record deal? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> would you like to tour? Okay. So I just said yes to a lot of things that scared me, but it led me in, in that direction of, of singing. But then it became sort of clear to me that I had to make a choice between those two things that they were really the way that I love to do songwriting and, uh, and, and being an artist are really two different full-time careers and 
I couldn't do both well. And so I, I, I decided to sort of back off on the, on the singing side of things to focus more on the songwriting side. Cause that's where my heart is. And, um, and also, you know, it, it's just, I feel like I can keep learning and growing as a songwriter and stretching that muscle until the day that I die. Whereas with singing, your, your machine doesn't work so well as you get older, you know, so <laughs> it's just something, and it works with my phase of life right now as a mom, I've got a, two little girls at home, a four-year-old and a six-year-old. So I don't have to be on tour and gone all the time. Uh, and that makes a really big difference. I, I was touring pretty heavily when my eldest turned one and I missed her learning how to walk and I was out there on the road getting videos on my phone from my husband and crying and then I was like no this is not the life that I want <laughs> I want to be there so yeah so we'd have to get your own bus for you to go out on tour with so that way you could take the kids with you and the husband right yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah that's how it would have to be <laughs> Totally understandable. We all make choices and, and, you know, follow those paths and then follow our hearts. And and that's, you know, whatever, whatever makes you happy is what you should do. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I really believe that too. It's funny because when you're young, you see the world through the eyes of what people out there think success is. Mm -hmm. And so you're sort of drawn to these glamorous things that, that you think you think that's how you should gauge your success. But as you go get older and you start to experience more life, you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm the one that gets to define what success is. And I get to choose based on what makes me happy and fulfilled. And it's not necessarily going to be the things that the people out there see as glamorous. So, you know, it's kind of freeing when you come to that point in your life and you make those decisions. It's like, wait a minute, I can define this for myself. And you can try to tell me it's not cool, but I'm not going to believe you because I'm the one living it. (laughs) You have a great point. That is, yes, absolutely. 100%. Right there with you. I think it's so true. When we are young, we do those things and we try to, you know, navigate through what everyone else thinks we should navigate through and do the, you know, and we discover our own selves and what we can do. It's, it's amazing. It really is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so who are some of the women though, that have inspired you to write, to do the songwriting? So I, um, when I started off learning about songwriting, I took it on like it was a school project. Like I had a binder and I wrote down names in the binder of songwriters that I was interested in following or knowing more about. And I basically every kind of music, every bit of music that I consumed, I would look up who the songwriters were behind it. And I would write those songwriters into my binder. And I still have it here in my office, a little <laughs> tiny binder. Here it is. Here, I'll, I'll, my little my little green binder right here. And it's all in alphabetical order and it's got names in it. And then I would put the, the songwriter name and then the name of the song. And I would see some songwriters start to get more and more and more song titles under, under them. And then I would be like, who are these people? So, for, and then I would put a little star beside those ones and they became <laughs> my heroes, you know, that I really admired. So Beth Nielsen Chapman is one of them. Um, Matresa Berg is a big one. Uh, gosh, 
Yeah, and I mean, there weren't a lot of women in this realm. There still aren't a lot of women in this realm of songwriting in in the Nashville music industry behind the scenes. It's very male-dominated. Um, but as time has gone on, Gretchen, Gretchen Peters is another one. I just saw her name in there. She's a great one. Um, as time went on, I started to actually have access to some of those people and to be able to write songs with some of them. And one of them is one of my dearest co-writers. Her name is Tia Sillers. She actually introduced me to my husband, which is funny. And, and we won the songwriter of the year award together, uh, in Canada for a song that we wrote. Uh, but she wrote a song called I Hope You Dance, which is a tremendous hit. And she's written a ton of other things for Dixie Chicks and Alan Jackson and a bunch of stuff. And she's just a really incredible songwriter. So she would, she would definitely be what I would consider an influence, but someone that I got to have, have gotten to work with and be friends with, which is really cool. That mentorship thing. It's definitely awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned some great songwriters. So I'm like, when you were mentioning, I'm like, yep, yep. I'm like, and, you, and you're right. Cause it's like, as someone that's looked up to songwriters, I mean, I can remember a time and, and this is before Google, for those of you who are born later in, in life here, let's call it that in, in, you know, the aughts here. Uh, but before Google, we, I, I'd be driving, I'd be like, I can call the radio station. I would call the radio station, finally get through and be like, who's saying this song? Okay. Yeah. Now who tell me who, who wrote it? They're like, Oh, hold on just a second. They'd actually look it up. And, but yeah, yeah. I mean, with the yep. stuff we have to go through to find those people. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And and I loved when they had music videos with the song songwriters credited on the music videos. That was a big way of finding that out too. I loved that. Yes. But uh, quite all too often the songwriters are the unsung heroes behind yes. <laughs> behind the songs and uh, and they are in the in the payment structures right now too, which is just really it's it's disappointing that we undervalue the people who create the music on the ground level because there would be no music industry without the songwriters it's built completely on their backs and and unfortunately in financial ways built on their backs a lot too <laughs> so hopefully that's something we can change as we go forward yes hopefully yes so i know i've seen some new legislation out there and things and you know and like i said i i'm kind of outside of the realm so it's interesting to see how things evolve and all we can do is, is fight and you know try to get better pay for that in general because I think it's yeah. been underpaid for way too long it's been a long time and but the music industry is always a bit of an elephant it's always slow to move and change and technology changes quicker than it does and it takes some catching up so I think we're just in that phase especially right now we're in the catching up phase from the internet and streaming and mm -hmm. trying to figure out how that should all work in a way that's fair so um, I think it's hard to predict how things are going to look in another 10 or 20 years, but I guarantee they'll be a lot different than they are right now, which is one of the great things about the music business. It's always constantly changing. Yes. You know, that's so true. That is absolutely. So are you ready for our fun little segment that we call 20 questions plus one? Sure. Absolutely. Hit me okay. with it. <laughs> okay. There are no right or wrong answers except for one that might have a right or wrong answer, but you know, we'll go, we'll get to that when we get to it. Sure. Okay. So early bird or night owl? Oh, I was a night owl all the way through until I had children. And now I am a very begrudging early bird <laughs> because they wake <laughs> up at about 530 in the morning. And if it's a day off, it'll be even earlier <laughs> because they just 
have a sense for that. So, yep, early bird. Oh. Do you at least get a nap time in there? Because they're younger yet, so. Yeah, well, not so much. It's like, now I'm like, that is why parents love screen time so much, because that's the one. When nap time goes away, it's like, watch this screen for an hour so I I can go and breathe and have a cup of tea. (laughs) So if you could be the member of a sitcom family or TV show, what show would it be? Ooh. I think, hmm, I was going to say This Is Us, but I don't know that I would want to be in that family. They're a little too dramatic. So I think maybe uh, <laughs> How I Met Your Mother. Because <laughs> I always <laughs> love that show. But it's that sort of friends thing. I always love the, the friends thing. It's like, oh, what a, how cool it would be to have friends that all hung out together and went to the same bar to eat every night, that kind of thing. I mean, friends is also that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great one. So what is your guilty pleasure music? ABBA. I love ABBA. Everything about ABBA. <laughs> I love it. But it's so hooky. It's just so completely hooky. The melodies are so hooky. And sometimes the lyrics are really weird because I think they, they, I mean, English is their second language and you can kind of tell, but it doesn't matter because the music is so incredible and the melodies are so incredible. So um, yeah, I'm kind of excited. Have you heard that they're doing a, it's not going to be a tour. It's really weird. They've actually built a, um, some kind of, a venue that they're going to be doing their performances at for their reunion tour, except that it's not going to actually be them because they're going to hologram themselves. <laughs> so everybody's going to go to the show. It's kind of like going to a Broadway show, but you have to go to this place and see the holograms of ABBA playing. They'll probably be like the young versions of themselves playing their music. And uh, tell you what, they will probably sell sell out <laughs> it's probably brilliant and they can sit at home on their couch and not even have to do anything and just collect the money from their holograms performing oh that's perfect i love it yeah sign us up for that job too <laughs> exactly oh actually you know i've just seen they have the new um after they have the mass singing show on uh, where people, I was artists and, and, and yes. other people sing. And so that's been kind of a cool new singing show. And then the other one I was thinking was the one after that now. Um, I can't even think what it's called. Oh my goodness. It's where they are behind the scenes and they have an avatar, basically. I'm like, that is a really good singing competition because you're singing on the vocals. It's all about the vocals in the song. And it is, you don't even see the real person. I'm like, that is really cool. Like, yeah, it is voice, you know. Yeah, because we get so caught up in how people look Mm -hmm. in in celebrity, right? So, yeah, I think it's really neat that we've gone into that into that realm of what what is this what is this art just in itself without the person attached to it? What what is that? And um, yeah, that's kind of fun to explore. As soon as you started saying about the holograms, like that's what it's thinking of. I'm just like, this is all. Yeah, everything's just coming together. Yes. <laughs> oh, so what's the weirdest or sweetest thing a fan has ever done for you? Ooh, so there are two. Both are sweet. Weird didn't come to mind, so that's a good thing. One of them is uh, someone that was a fan of my music actually 
ended up putting a song lyric from one of my songs on their headstone. They carved it into their headstone. And that was really, I mean, I can't even describe how it feels as a songwriter to see, they sent me a picture of it, to see a picture of my song lyrics on someone's headstone. I mean, that's, I couldn't ask for anything more than that in life, you know, to write something that important. So that was brilliant. And then um, the other thing was there was a fan who, his father was an incredible beading artist. He would do that sort of Native American beading, bead work. And he, uh, I guess, was really touched by some of the music that I wrote. Um, and he used it when his wife passed away at her funeral. It's like a funeral thing going on. But then he made a project after she passed away out of making this beaded necklace that's my face. And it's like my face and my hair. And then after he died, it was presented to me by his son. And his son just said, I hope you know how important your music has been in our family's life. And and this is how my father chose to spend the last few months of his life was making this beaded necklace of your face from the, from the album cover. And uh, I've got it hanging up in my living room, and it's just so beautiful, and um, and it's just wild, you know. I never met him, I, and and I love that music can just reach across time and space to places that you've never gone and impact people without you even being there or knowing it. You never know what your music's doing out there in the world. That's one one of the things I love so much about songwriting. And those are, those are two awesome, sweet things. I mean, those, yeah, th- those are just amazing. Those really are. So boots or heels? Oh, definitely boots for me. I don't, I won't do heels anymore. I, I've never really been a heels person, but I've stopped doing heels uh, mm-hmm. completely. It, you'll even on a red carpet, I'll be in high tops tennis shoes now. <laughs> Once I had babies, I was like, I can't pick up a baby and walk around in heels. I'm going to drop them on their head. Not cool. Yeah. And most of those events are all day too. So I could imagine wearing, like I used to wear heels, corporate job. Yeah. So yeah, I couldn't imagine doing that, especially because of the, the you know venues yeah. and stuff you're at. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And the things that we do for fashion, it's so uncomfortable. I mean, why? Especially going through COVID, it was just funny when we all had to stay home and then we stopped putting on makeup and we stopped doing our hair and and we were like, wait, this feels really good. (laughs) I didn't have to do this every day. (laughs) We stopped wearing pants that were too constricting. (laughs) And so now coming back out in the world, it's like, okay, this is a a toned down version of me that just has a little bit more, a little bit more comfort in in the fashion. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. Love it. <laughs> favorite drink? Uh, my favorite drink. Ooh, there's lots of different ones, but this is this is a very maybe a Canadian answer, but Earl Grey tea. <laughs> <laughs> like Earl Grey tea, and I don't. I mean, that's my my guilty pleasure is Earl Grey tea with lots of honey and cream in it, and I have that before bed while I watch my How I Met Your Mother TV show. <laughs> oh, it's Canadian and British, I guarantee, you know, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Paul's going to have a show based all on teas and stuff and talking about him. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to sit over here and I'll just have a sip of whatever tea I have laying around. I'm good. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> Typical yeah. American here, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing and the preparation of it. I, whenever we had fa friends stop by when I was growing up, my mom would make a big deal out of making a pot of tea in the big teapot. And then they put a tea cozy on top to keep it warm. And you'd sit around and everybody would have some tea. And that was kind of the thing that we did. Very British, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your favorite holiday? Halloween is my favorite. I like the dark side, the scary stuff. But that was always, <laughs> always been drawn to that. So, um, yeah, Halloween. My my daughter, who's six, is a huge fan of Thanksgiving, which makes me really happy because I'm like Thanksgiving is not usually the choice for little kids. It's usually either the candy, the full on candy of Halloween, or the Christmas extravaganza of gifts. But she likes uh, she likes Thanksgiving, so I like that. I'm like, hmm, maybe I'm doing something right as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm with her. I'm at the age of Thanksgiving food down. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> She just likes the pie. That's all she cares about. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm like, well, they have pie for Christmas too, but she doesn't, she likes Thanksgiving. But plus she gets to because we celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving and American Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And she's a dual citizen through me. So that yeah. means two. And two Thanksgivings. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. There's two of them. That's why it's a favorite. I get it. Now. I totally get it. Probably why. <laughs> oh, so favorite animal. Hmm, my favorite animal. That's a hard one. So you're talking to someone who got a degree in zoology? <laughs> because oh, I there, no, there's something you don't hear every day. Yes. Yeah. So zoology was my thing. And so I guess if I had to choose, it would be a fish. And that is even weirder. But that was my specialty. It was ichthyology. It was freshwater fish. And that's what my degree is in. That's what I was going to go off and do for a career after I graduated from college, except that I wrote song lyrics all over every page of, of everything that I was trying to do at school. And then... Uh, one thing led to another after graduation and the job that was waiting for me was gone. And so I was like, well, it's a blank slate. And that means I can listen to my heart and go do songwriting. And that's what I did. <laughs> but yeah, fish, freshwater fish, <laughs> probably a good smallmouth bass is my favorite. <laughs> my favorite animal. Oh. So if you could put someone on Mount Rushmore, who would it be and why? And we're not talking political here. We're talking whoever, anyone, you can pick anyone. Oh, it would have to be a songwriter, but which one is the question? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh, that's hard. Because uh, there's there's so many great songwriters. I mean, it could be just, it could be like Bruce Springsteen, maybe. <laughs> he would be pretty cool. <laughs> you know, he's got the whole, he's got the American thing going for him, but he's also mm -hmm. a really great crafter of songs and uh, and a lot of, a lot of people who are legendary songwriters look to him as an influence too. So maybe Bruce Springsteen. Great choice. So what was your first concert? My first concert was the Eagles Hell Freezes Over Tour. And I was so thankful that they got back together. And that's why it was called the Hell Freezes Over Tour because they <laughs> Or that they were never going to get back together. And they, and of course in high school, I discovered all of these I discovered all this music after everyone had died that was making the music. I was like, wait, Led Zeppelin, this is amazing. Who is this? Oh, they're dead now. Yeah. But <laughs> they're the drummer. 
But, you know, it was it was a lot of that. So I discovered the Eagles, and I was like, oh, they broke up. But then they got back together. So I, I got to go see that show, and it was amazing. And the opener for that show was a young woman playing the guitar by herself, and I couldn't believe how amazing she was, and nobody was paying attention, and her name was Cheryl Crow. <laughs> so she went on to have a decent career. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That that's that was one of my uh, definitely as a as a kid and stuff. When Lilith Fair came out, and I was I was in my teens at that time. I wanted to go to Lilith Fair so bad. I was under eighteen. Mom's like, no. I'm like, oh come on, mom. Yes. Oh, but yeah, that amazing lady there too. That's so cool. Yeah, the Eagles. Read the Lilith Fair thing again. They need to ha- get that going again. That was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, we can do that. That's kind of you know maybe coming up in the future for us. So we'll see. Yeah. So. So can you tell our audience, a album, a songwriter, a singer, or just a simple song that they need to listen to before they die? Before they die? <laughs> yes, like today. Like, you need to go listen to, you know, I always say, like, yeah, anything by Dolly Parton, Laurie McKenna. You know, I throw a few people that they probably haven't heard, like Laurie McKenna. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the fact that you said Laurie McKenna, but that... I, Lori would definitely be someone that I would say if you, yeah, you need to go listen to her. I don't know a specific album of hers because they're all incredible. The other, the other one that I really love though is Sean Colvin. I think mm-hmm. the Sean Colvin's few small repairs record is amazing. I actually just went and saw her perform live and it was incredible too. So that's a good one too. Wonderful. So what would be a good theme song for your life? Um, I think I Hope You Dance would be a good theme song, um, just because, well, I think of it as a mom too, but it's like, uh, my thing is, I don't want to ever be too scared of something to say yes to an opportunity. And I think that's what that song says. And that's what I've kind of learned in my life is just say yes to things, to opportunities, say yes to things that you think are too hard, that you think you're not qualified for, that you think you have no business doing, say yes to them anyway. And that's what leads you into the most incredible experiences of your life. And that's, I said yes to being a songwriter and I said yes to being an artist. And I said yes to being a teacher and all of those things. I didn't know if I had, the ability to do, but, um, yeah, I hope you dance. You know, I just want to say if no one has learned from you yet that you should say yes to things that you're terrified of, um, you should probably be learning that lesson today, people just saying, <laughs> cause that is definitely inspiring in anything you do. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite author or book? Hold on. Tigger, you gotta sit down, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. Hello. Hmm. a favorite author or book I so my favorite book is uh, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran Um, there's just so much wisdom in it packed into it there's a million song ideas in it and it's like an instruction manual for life a little bit too so that would be I've got it right here in my office and yeah I love that one I go back to it over and over again it means different things at different times in your life too Wonderful. Uh, what is the best thing since sliced bread? 
Is this question 21? No. <laughs> I was going to say, Paula. No. <laughs> so the best thing since sliced bread is uh, being a mom. I think it's the best thing since sliced bread, watching little people grow up and getting to be a part of that, watching them learn, learning how to navigate the impossible things that parenthood <laughs> does to you. Like, how are you supposed to, I don't know how to negotiate this with a six-year-old, um, but it, um, it's just so cool seeing how their minds work and watching that happen. And I, I'm really glad that I got to, to be one because um, we actually adopted both of our girls. So um, my husband and I went through infertility battles for a long time and we had to make a decision of how badly we wanted to be parents. And we decided that we wanted to be parents badly enough to go through the process of adoption. And it was absolutely worth it. And I can't imagine my life any other way now. So, yeah. And I'm just going to say thank you. As the, the daughter of a woman that was adopted, my mom was adopted. I, my grandparents were my grandparents. And it was just, yeah, I couldn't imagine my mom being with, like born to someone else. And yeah. So. yeah and it just, if, if, it, if anything, it really just adopting a child just reminds you that they're not yours to keep. They're just borrowed. And that's the way all children are. <laughs> it's just a little more obvious for us. If you could talk to anyone alive or dead, who would it be? And what would you want to talk about? Huh. I promise no more hard ones after this. This is a really hard one. There's, well, I mean, I, I just think it would be God. <laughs> I would want to ask God some questions, you know, I would want to ask about pain. I think I'm starting to understand why there's pain because I can see in my own life what it does to you and the positive things that it can do for your life. But I would love to know, I would love to know if there's a rhyme or reason to, to pain and who experiences it. And um, because sometimes the people that go through, well, always, <laughs> you know, the people that go through pain, it seems, it seems completely random and especially for young children, you know, and you just, mm -hmm. it breaks your heart. So I would have some questions for God. That would be my person. I like that. So if you weren't doing music and possibly zoology, would you be, what would you be doing? doing music or zoology I would be a healthcare worker probably a nurse potentially a doctor um I went through nursing school almost all the way and never got finished um because that was my plan b for when music got too hard to support myself with but um then other opportunities came up and I never finished but it was a really incredible experience doing that and I felt like I was trying I was using the same approach to life in nursing as I was in, in songwriting, where it's about leaning into the hard moments and looking at them and talking about them and communicating and really just trying to be what people need in those moments um, and advocating and speaking up and all of that stuff that it has a place in songwriting too. So, yeah. That's really cool. I, I like that some people have a plan B because some people are like, they're like, I'm in Nashville. There is no plan B. I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like food. 
Just saying. Yeah, it's, it's very glamorous to say that there's no plan B, and people in the music business like to say that. They think they think that that's what you should say. But to be honest, you, it it's a lot better to come from a place of not being desperate when you're doing music and any kind of negotiation about your music. It's good if you're not desperate. So it does help to have a plan B. So if you could be a Disney character, what character would you be? Um, I think I would probably be Ariel, (laughs) the singing mermaid that kind of just leaves her family territory and goes somewhere else (laughs) just because she dreams of some other place. Because that's kind of what I did (laughs) coming to Nashville. I mean, I was raised on music, but it was classical music. So I'm very much the black sheep of the family being here so far from home and doing what I'm doing. Well, I would have never thought that'd be in the black sheep because it's still music, but I get it. I get the whole, you know, different genre. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's okay. We love you as a black sheep. So, <laughs> favorite flavor of ice cream? Uh, mint chocolate chip. That's my favorite. A favorite go-to snack? Uh, kettle corn, that sh- popcorn that's sugary. <laughs> <laughs> I break lots of teeth on that. It's bad. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> so, hypothetically, if I need to hide a body, do you know a good place? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. that, definitely. I mean, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Canada. There's lots of good places that I know. <laughs> I worked in the lakes up there, you know. I know, I know my way around. <laughs> good to know. I think I might have to call you first. Yeah, Although I'm not sure about the whole international travel with it. I'm not... Yeah. I can get across the border, but if you could get across the border, then I could definitely help you. <laughs> All right. So our number one, 21 question here is coming up. It's the most important question of your life. Who is your favorite CWC host? Oh, Paula, for sure. <laughs> okay. So Paula, you're beating Tigger here. Tigger's getting upset. I just want you to know that's why she's here. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, we're. I'm. I'm sorry to miss Paula today, but it's super fun talking with you. And I know it's hard. I'm a podcast host too. I've got a little podcast that I do about women in entertainment called The Table Women, and and I co-host. And I know how difficult it is if it's just you. And you're doing a great job. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes it's it's just hard. It's good. It's easier when there are two people to kind of bounce things off for sure. Yeah, because we definitely think of different questions. I come from the songwriter perspective because I am definitely, that, that's where my passion has always been, like in the songwriting of it. So, you know, I come from, and then she'll come more from the fan side of the singer side. And, and it's just that whole kind of just, you know, we come from those different areas and it clicks together perfect. So, yeah. But, so we're winding down here in 2021. So, have any big plans for the rest of this year? And uh, what's happening for 2022? You know, some more teaching and, yeah. Um, so more teaching. Uh, I'm always I'm always playing shows sort of as they come in. Most of my shows are around Nashville. So I'll play at the Bluebird Cafe, the Listening Room, places like that. And within driving distance of Nashville, I, I, I go play in other states as well. I think I've got a show coming up January 7th at the Von Braun Center down in Huntsville, Alabama. And I play usually in the summer, I'll do a gig or two down at the Atlanta area. 
that kind of thing. And I've got a couple a couple things booking in Canada now again too, which is nice because that border was closed for a long time. Uh, but now they're they're open back up and starting to book things again. So I'm excited about that. So yeah, Nashville is home base, and and my office here at Belmont where I'm writing songs for other people and teaching people how to write songs, and then then the odd touring, the odd the odd probably one off or or two shows here and there, and. Uh, and lots of parenting. <laughs> <laughs> I think parenting is a full-time job times two in general. Just absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the, uh, I'm going to quote the one Luke Bryan song that he sings and uh, you know, it says that most mamas are saints and, and yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that was like a perfect lyric thrown in there. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will not argue with that. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure having you. And you are welcome to come visit anytime and join us again. Yeah, well, thanks, so. for, thanks for talking, Donna. I really appreciated your questions. It was fun to, to get a chance to talk finally. <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you all for tuning in for another episode of Crazy Women Country. Have a great day. If you enjoyed today's episode of Crazy Women Country, don't forget to give us a thumbs up. Be sure to click the subscribe button for new interviews weekly. And thank you, friends, for joining us today on Crazy Women Country, where women's voices matter.